0: If you have a Bible available, the Pew Bible or your, your own Bible, open it up to Ephesians chapter 1, read verses uh, 3 through 10. On my day off this week, Kelsey and I got to hike up to uh, Excelsior Mountain from Damfino Lake. Some of you know that hike. Uh, and you're in the woods a ways and then you kind of come out into a meadow and there's all the fall colors in the snow and, and from opening up to the woods, seeing all that beauty, uh, it's a remarkable view. This passage in Ephesians is a bit like that. Of course, all of the Bible is great, uh, and yet in this passage here in Ephesians, it's so condensed. The view is so great. Uh, It's certainly a contender for one of my favorite passages, so I was happy to hear that that's going to be our text this morning. Let's read it, or listen as I read it. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places This morning, it's a great pleasure to have Dave Lindners. Am I saying that correctly? Okay, wanted to make sure I was getting it right. Uh, he's the chaplain at Cedar Springs uh, and agreed to preach for us this morning, which is great because I've been gone all week at meetings, and so I'm thankful to have him uh, here.
1: Thank you. It's good to be back. I was here probably about three years ago when your, uh, uh, your former pastor was about ready to move on and before uh, Nathan was able to come, so it's good to be back with you and see that uh, you're expanding. So it looks great. You're going to have some great room in here when you get done. That's great. Um, as they uh, said, my name's Dave. I'm the director at Cedar Springs Christian Retreat Center, and um, i married to my wife. Is uh, and I've been together for 31 years, and uh, she wasn't able to be this me. Uh, I also have four children, three adult children, and and one teenager. But probably the most important thing that I want you to know about me is that I love the Lord, and the next most important thing, or maybe even more important, is that. He loves me. For some reason, I can't quite figure out. Um, and guess what? He loves you, too. And this morning, I want to talk to you about the Lord. And uh, before I do though, it's just hard not to acknowledge that we've gone through a really incredible last year and a half. I mean, all the things that have happened since COVID broke out. Um, all the people that have sick, many that have lost their lives, families that have dealt with that. We've also dealt with lockdowns. We've dealt with... Uh, online school, we've dealt with mask mandates, and vaccination mandates, and, and all these things in between. We've dealt with civil unrest, we've, you know, we've dealt with political unrest. It's, it's been just a crazy year, and, and even here in North Whatcom County, we made the national news because of murder hornets just up the way. I mean, it's just been all these things, and I've probably watched the news more than I've ever watched the news before in my life the last year and a half, and it hasn't really been good for my soul. In fact, probably about a year ago is when I made this decision that I I really wanted to figure out what is God doing during this historic time? Where is he at work? Because I wasn't reading about him on Facebook or necessarily or in the news. You know, where is God at work? And so uh, being that I'm a director of a Christian retreat center that rents out to churches and Christian leaders a lot, um, I started asking them, where do you see God at work in your church? and they began to share stories about how God has been working. And and then I was fortunate enough to read a book by Eugene Peterson, Uh, it's entitled Practice Resurrection. And in there, he does an exposition on the passage that was just read. And he talks about how in this passage, it's it's kind of in the Greek, I guess, is this really long, exuberant, run-on sentence where Paul is just saying to the Ephesian church, this is what God is like. He's so amazing, and, and he goes through, and in that passage, he talks about these uh, seven verbs just pop off the page at you that talk about what God is doing and how he is at work in the world. And so that's what I want to share with you about, because I really appreciate the fact that Paul lays out for me where to look to find out where God is at, the wor- at work in this world today. And so the first verb I want to bring to your attention is in verse 3 where it talks about God blesses, God blesses. It says, blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. When I read that, I realize something. God is not mad at us all the time. He actually loves us. We're his children. Jesus said about God, the Father, that he is a good father that loves to give good gifts to his children. For some reason, sometimes we get some mixed up ideas about God, I think. We think that first of all, he's mad at us and he doesn't want to give us anything good until we've earned it. Or the other idea is that that in order to be blessed by God, we have to have no pain or no suffering in our life. And the reality is, is God doesn't take away all the pain and suffering from our life, but he does bless us in the middle of it. He does extend blessings to us despite the troubles that we're going through. oftentimes to counteract them. Uh, I mentioned that I run a retreat center. This has been a very difficult year and a half to run a retreat center. The sole basis of my business is bringing people together. The prescription for dealing with COVID has been keeping people apart. So for five months, we were shut down, completely shut down. For the next seven months after that, we had just minimal business. We lost 80% of our revenue last year, 50% this year. I had to do the difficult thing of laying off 15 employees, one of the hardest things I've ever done. To make it even worse, one of them was my wife. I I laid her off at work not as my wife, just so you know. I want to make sure I'm clear about that. You know, I had to lay off my oldest daughter too for a little while. Uh, As a man, that really hit me, you know. I'm supposed to provide for my family. Uh, We have dealt with all kinds of difficulties in relationship to trying to figure out how do we stay afloat and how do we navigate through this difficult time. Not only that, um, we, my, old, my second daughter lost her job as a teacher down in Hoquiam. Uh, not only that, I developed a chronic pain issue in my back and lower leg that I, had to, I couldn't get in to see the doctor to get taken care of. And for eight months, during all this craziness, I was dealing with pain issues. And I could look at all that and say, I wasn't living a very blessed life. And yet, I can tell you that in the middle of all of that, God was blessing me. There were these blessings that kept coming to me. Many times when my checking account out at Cedar Springs got down to like this, God blessed in some way from some unexpected source that provided the money. I felt like I was that widow in the story of Elijah and the widow where, you know, she keeps going back to the jars and, and, and there's always flour and there's always oil there for her to make some food. Except for me, I kept going back to QuickBooks and there was still money in my checking account. I didn't know how it got there. He blessed us by bringing my family together in new ways. My daughter lost her job, moved back in with us, and we became a support again for one another during this difficult time. And I could tell you over and over again, we kept a list going. Uh, we had a little dry erase board in our in our closet. And we just started writing down every time that God blessed us or provided for us. And there's like 30 things on that list during that most difficult time. Because God does that. He still is at work blessing us even in the midst of difficulties. There's another verb in this passage. It says uh, The God chooses. In verse four, it says, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. You know, the God is still choosing people today. Choosing people to come into a relationship with him, not because they're great people and they've done a lot of great works, but simply because he loves us. And and if we're open to that, he chooses us to come into this wonderful relationship with him. Not only that, once we've come to that relationship, he chooses us to use us in ways that we would never have imagined in the world in which we live in. I've been talking to uh, different church leaders, as I mentioned before, and we had a, a, a staff retreat by a church out of Olympia. And as I was talking to their pastor, he was saying that Their church has really experienced a drop in attendance over the last year and a half. Uh, They're about like half of what they were. But he said in exuberance, he was just really excited. He goes, but you know what? It's been one of the best year and a half we've seen in our church life. He said, we got people coming to the Lord. They're realizing that God has chosen them during this difficult time and they've embraced him. And we've baptized more people in the last six months than we did in the last five years. God is at work. He is still reaching out to people and he's choosing people during these difficult times. And at times we have an opportunity to be a part of that choosing and be a part of that work. I remember thinking about a year and a half ago that someday down the road, as I'm living in these extraordinary times, that my future grandchildren, none of which have been born yet, still gotta get my daughters married off here. But uh, once we get that done, and we get some grandkids coming, that someday they're gonna ask me, they're gonna say, You know, Grandpa, what was it like when you went through the pandemic of 2020 and 2021? What did you do? I remember thinking, you know what? I want to be able to tell them what I did for the kingdom during that period of time. Not that I complained about the government and I passed on funny memes to other family members, but that I was actually active and involved. And you know what I found is that when I took that mindset, I started asking God, would you choose to use me during this time? He's opened up doors for me to be able to minister to people, as he has done for many of us. He chooses us, even though we may not deserve it. The third verb that's in this passage, in description of how God is at work, is that God destines. It says, He predestined us for adoption to Himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of His will predestined us. I remember studying that word in in my theology classes at Bible college, and I I understood the concept, but I didn't really understand what it meant practically to me. What does it mean to be predestined? It means basically that God has plans for us. He's got plans for us. And I've come to understand that that his will is, is not always specific. He doesn't necessarily have a plan for what I'm supposed to eat for breakfast this morning. But he has these general plans, or as I like to take from the word predestines, he has these destinations in mind for us. Some of those destinations might be relational. Some of those destinations might be physical locations that he might move us to. Some of those destinations might be uh, a career. But most certainly, one of those destinations is for us to grow up into maturity in Christ. And he sets about a path for us to be able to follow. I have come also to understand that his will can be resisted and I have done so at different times in my life. I also know that sometimes his will and his plans for my life can get sidetracked because of the actions of others, which I think I've seen significantly in the last year and a half. But here's the thing about God, he is very determined to keep those plans always in front of us and that even if we get sidetracked or we resist them, that there's always a new route to get back there. In fact, the way I think of it is it's kind of like a GPS system. I have a GPS in my truck. And so when I'm going somewhere, there's a destination in mine. And then there's a path, the best path to get to that destination. Now, sometimes I decide I don't want to go that way. And I choose to go a different route and I get off that blue line that it's showing me how to get there. And, and then what my GPS does then is it says, anybody know what it says? rerouting, right? Recalculating. And it finds the next best route to get me back to that destination. And I could ignore that too, which I've done from time to time. And then it does it again, right? Recalculating, rerouting. And you know, God's plans are such that even if we have resisted his will in our life, even if we've gotten sidetracked because of the actions of others, that he is always putting together a path for us to get back to those destinations he has in mind for us. That we don't ever get to pass to a spot where he's given up on us and said, well, just go your own way. He's got plans for you and me. What else? The fourth verb that comes out here that describes God's work in the world today is the God bestows. Now in the version we read, it says in verse six, it says, with which he has blessed us in the beloved in verse six. That word blessed in the Greek is actually a different word than the word blessing that was in verse three. And in other versions, it describes it as the word bestow. And there's a lot of similarity between the two words. There's some overlap there. There are times where God just blesses us and gives us good things because he loves us as his children. Uh, Bestowing carries this connotation of giving us what we need for the task at hand. It would be the empowerment, the encouragement, uh, the resources that we need to be able to do the plans in which he has called us to. Because one of the reasons that sometimes I resist that path that he has for me, those plans he has for me, is because when I look at it, I go, I don't know how I'm going to do that on my own. You ever felt that way? You're like, this is scary, Lord, I don't think I can do what you're asking me to do. And that's where he comes in and he bestows upon us what we need to accomplish the task at hand. I love this. Um, there's a phrase I heard a number of years ago, and I wrote it down in a journal, and I kind of just kept it in mind, and that is that God never gives unfunded mandates. If you've ever heard that term, unfunded mandate, it's kind of a government term. It's where when lo- one level of government, like the federal government, tells the state government, you have to do this now. It's going to cost you money, and we're not going to give you any money to do that. I hate unfunded mandates. I hate when it's given to me. I hate when it's given to anybody else because it's like, why would somebody in authority tell you to do something and not give you the resources to do that? And yet, sometimes we think that's the way God operates, that he's given us the mandates in the book, and now it's our job to go figure out how to put it into practice. And yet, the God that Paul describes here is a God that not only gives us the directions, but he also gives us everything that we need to accomplish those. The fifth verse, the fifth verb that is in this passage that describes God's work today is that God lavishes. God lavishes. Verse 8. It says, which he has lavished upon us. This was a word that Paul was very fond of in describing God's work in the world. I like it because... uh, I sometimes run into this thinking about God that maybe God's a little stingy. Maybe he's a little reluctant to give me what I wanted because I haven't been good enough. But Paul says, it doesn't matter how good you've been, that God loves you so much that he lavishes his love. He lavishes his provision upon you. He just pours it out on you until it's overwhelming to you where you just go, "I, I didn't deserve that. I was thinking about that this week. Um, about two or three weeks ago, I was uh, with my second daughter. We were walking on the property out at Cedar Springs on one of the hiking trails. And we were talking. And, and one of the habits I've developed with my children over the years is um, I usually ask them this question. It comes from my church tradition. And it's this. Um, how is it with your soul? And what I'm asking is just how is your relationship with God going right now? And uh, my kids have learned that now. And so now sometimes they reciprocate and they ask me. How is it with your soul? And when she asked me that question, at that moment, two or three weeks ago, I gotta tell you, my soul was feeling very dry. I was feeling uh, just a little bit overwhelmed. Um, uh, Just a little bit about me. I I have a business mind and a pastor's heart. And so I, I love where I work at because in the past it's allowed me to Put together the business part of running a retreat center, but then there's this ministry part that I get to do while I'm out there. As I meet with people that are out there and, and God is meeting with them, and at times I get to be a part of that conversation and maybe get to pray with people. I get to interact with a lot of church leaders, and, and so I get to do both. But for the last six months, it's been all trying to figure out how to keep the business alive. I've been putting a lot of time, hours, probably 60, 70 hours a week trying to keep things going and afloat as we're dealing with Business coming back and employee shortages, all those things, all the things you don't need to know about. But that's the business part. And I realized I had not been engaged in ministry for a long time. And my ministry heart was just hurting. And, and so in that moment, we just prayed for a moment and we prayed that you know there would be some opportunities to get involved in doing some more ministry oriented things instead of just all the business stuff I'm doing right now. Two days later, Albert called me. He goes, Hey, could you preach at Wiser Lake Chapel? Two days after that, my pastor called me at the church I'm at and said, hey, can you preach in a couple of weeks? A couple of guys from our church goes, we want to put together a men's retreat. Could you help us work with that? I went, yeah, I could do that. And this boom, 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 within a week, all of a sudden, all these ministry opportunities came into my life. And I'm like, wow, God. I mean, I didn't even start looking for any of this stuff. But he was lavishing it out onto me because that's what I needed. And that's just a small thing in my life, but that's... That's what's so beautiful about God is that he loves to work in the small ways. He loves to, that attention to detail, knowing what will make us feel loved and blessed and cared for, he loves to pour that out on us. And he doesn't do it stingily, he does it graciously, lavishly. Sixth verb, God reveals or makes known. And It says in verse 8 and 9, In all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which is set forth in Christ. Our God loves to share his wisdom with us. He loves to share wisdom. I love the definition of wisdom that I heard uh, Pastor Andy, Andy Stanley share a number of years ago. Uh, he said knowledge is basically the accumulation of information. So to be knowledgeable means you know a lot. Wisdom is to see how all that information is connected, how it all comes together. It's to understand cause and effect. It's to understand how two pieces of information can be put together and create something beautiful or useful in a way that maybe nobody else had seen. And our God is a God of wisdom and he loves to share that. In fact, he even wrote a book. Maybe you've heard of it. It's called the Bible where he put in a bunch of that wisdom for us, right there we can read about each and every day. And we're so blessed, we got it in our English version, we got it on our phones, we got it everywhere for us, where he shares that wisdom with us. Not only that, it says in the Bible, Jesus said that he gave us the Holy Spirit that lives within us, that that helps guide us into that wisdom. And as we keep in step with the Spirit, as Paul would say in Galatians, that we will find that wisdom of God to live our life in a way that that is good, and pleasing, and perfect. And God just loves to share that with us. I know over the last year and a half, I've had a lot of decisions to make, I imagine you guys have had as well, where I didn't know what the right answer was. I could go this way, or I could go this way. And I really had no clue. And I knew that in some cases, people's lives and things about their lives hung in the balance. and And so, I was finding myself praying the prayer of Jehoshaphat in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 12. When he faced this army that he knew he couldn't defeat, he went to the Lord in prayer and he said this, Lord, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. He knew this quality of God, that God is a God that will reveal his wisdom to us and show us what to do. And I have found over and over again that he has done that for me over the last year and a half. And decisions that I could have made, I could have gone that way, I could have gone that way, and I felt the Lord was leading to go this way, and we followed that lead, found out much later that that was the right path, and if we'd gone the other way, things that would not have gone well. I am so thankful that he is a God that reveals and makes known his wisdom to us. The last verb. God gathers, or unites. In verse 10, you find it, it says, as as a plan for the fullness of time, to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. I don't know about you, but as I read the news and I look at what's going on in our country, it feels like everything is unraveling. Do you have that feeling? It just feels like some of the institutions, some of the way things have always been, All these things that we relied on are just kind of crumbling. And and the fear in that is that it's just going to continue to crumble and we're going to find ourselves in chaos. I had somebody just tell me last week that they they think our country is on the verge of a civil war. And even if it's not with the nation, maybe in watching the news, maybe it's in your own life where you just feel like things are just unraveling all around you. But here's what Paul said. God is in the business of gathering up those things that are unraveling and putting them back together until one day he'll take what's been unraveled in terms of humanity and the relationship with God, this separation that now exists between heaven and earth, and he's going to bring them even back together. And for me, that gives me hope that even in the midst of things seemingly unraveling, that our God is much bigger than that, that he is still on the throne, that he is a God that can take all that mess and he can put it back together and sometimes put it back together in ways that were better than it was before. And so I lean into that hope. I hope that you will too. What is God doing today? He's blessing. He's choosing. He's got plans for you and me. He's bestowing on us what we need to carry out those plans. He's lavishing upon us his love and his grace. He's revealing to us to his wisdom. And you know what? He's putting things back together again. And we can count on that. And we can see that. If we we open our eyes to look and see where God is at work, I believe that we will see him at work in these situations. How do you do that in a practical way? Let me just give you a couple suggestions. One is get together with some other Christians on a regular basis and just ask yourselves a question. How have you seen God at work in your life? I have a small group that meets in my home. I have uh, three couples that are part of it. They're all actually from different churches. And uh, we come together, and the first question we ask every week before we get into our Bible study is, how have you seen God at work in your life this week? And what it's done is it's helped train us to be in, in tune with God showing himself in our lives each week. And where is he at work? Because sometimes we just miss it. Maybe you want a journal. Uh, I found great benefit in every week or two writing in a journal and just taking some time to process what's happened in the last week or two. And oftentimes it's in those times of journaling I realize, oh yeah, God was at work here and I kind of missed it because I just moved on to the next thing. Maybe setting aside some regular time to be with God, to pray, to read, to sing, to be silent with him. And just allow him to speak and reveal himself to you in those moments. I hope that this week that you'll have the opportunity and the blessing of being able to see God at work in your life. Because he is there. He loves you and he's at work. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your great love for us. I am so thankful you're not the God of the deist who believes that you just created everything and you, you ran off somewhere in the universe and letting it all work out, but that you're a God that's intimately involved in each of our lives. I know there's going to come a day where we're going to be in heaven and we'll be able to look back upon this time in our lives and we'll be able to see all the ways that you were at work in our life in ways that we never even recognized. But for now, would you give us glimpses of that? Will you allow us to see where you're at work, what you're doing, how you're loving us, and help us to become in tune with that? so that we might receive all that you want to give to us in this season of life. And we do pray for all the needs that are out there. We pray for all the people that are struggling. Uh, We pray for all those that are hurting. And we ask that, Lord, God, you would bless them in the midst of that pain. And that, God, you would use us as a part of your plan uh, to provide what is needed to bless others. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen.